This is Ozarks at Large. The holiday shopping season is in full swing, and consumers are facing possible backlogs and shortages on products from books and paper to microchips. Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth recently sat down with Stephanie and Rod Thomas, both professors of supply chain management at the University of Arkansas, to talk about what's causing the backlogs and how the pandemic may change the supply chain permanently. So can you just sort of walk me through where we are right now in terms of supply chain? I know there are a lot of bottlenecks and a lot of the focus has been on ports and shipping containers. From your point of view, how is this year or where we are right now different than this time last year or even this summer? We've had a lot of uncertainty. We've had a lot of empty shelves and people are thinking everything's coming back. The reality is supply chains were actually moving a lot more. We're coming out of times where companies had to put their facilities on hold because of uh, shortages of products, shortages of supplies, shortages in workers. And there's this ripple effect of it takes a while to get everything geared back up. At the same time, a lot of people have thought, you know what, this shopping from home stuff is really awesome. And so we're increasing what we've actually purchased They're predicting that consumer demand is going to continue to go up, which is great. But that also means when we've already kind of had some volatility in the supply chain, we found ourselves in a very interesting situation that the least little thing is causing major problems, which is what you're seeing when you see all the boats off the port in uh, Long Beach and L.A. A lot of it is demand driven. So what we buy has changed a lot. We've moved from a service-based economy in a lot of ways back towards a goods-based economy. So you're seeing like record sales and home improvement. People aren't going out as much, so they've been upgrading their homes, or they're not going out to eat as much, so they're buying more kitchen utensils and things like that. So you're seeing what used to be top-selling items in some categories are now things we have way too much inventory of because people don't buy them as much. And the new top-sellers are where we're starting to see some supply issues. To Stephanie's point, we're moving more through supply chains than we ever have. It's just a different mix of products. And when you shift that mix very quickly like we have, that causes disruptions throughout a supply chain. You know, We call it a chain because it's a series of steps or activities that have to happen in order to get us the products we need. And like any chain, we pull products through the supply chain that way. But anytime one of those breaks, it causes problems. Um, A link might break and we don't know it for three months because there's already inventory in there. But then you come back to it when COVID first hit. Imagine that first region that was hit by it. If a manufacturing facility shut down for four weeks, that added four weeks of lead time onto products we were going to get. But we wouldn't have even felt that for a couple months because all those links in that chain take a couple months to get us products. And then you get the shifting factor where, okay, maybe the factory was back online, but then people at the port got sick. So you added a couple of weeks there for them to get it right. And then the port on our end was backed up. So you have all this product and a lot of the containers out of balance throughout the world. So we constantly had stops and goes, stops and goes, along with changes in our buying patterns. And each supply chain is built for specific products. So if you change overnight and we change that demand pattern that quickly, you got to give these supply chains time to catch up. And then let's look at the the shopping season that's coming up, like you you were talking about, Stephanie. Um, I have seen like more places or people saying, "Oh, this is a good shop locally. It's a good opportunity to to buy more American made products or 
uh, a shift towards that. Have you seen that kind of shift? And, and is that still impacted by the supply chain? And still, you know, what are the ripple effects there? It's absolutely still going to have um, an impact, but even local businesses have global connections. And so they're, in some cases, local businesses are in being hit harder because they may not have the same buying power or the same connections and, and, and resources that the larger companies have. So while Absolutely. It's great to support local. They may not be able to support you with just what they have access um, in terms of products. I think you're going to continue to see more companies that try to offer incentives to encourage people to buy early. Uh, You know, last year, I know because they wanted to encourage not a lot of people in stores at one time, kind of spreading out that Black Friday of doing more discounts and incentives and stuff earlier to spread some of that out. Um, Whether or not consumers go along with that is going to be interesting to see. The other change we need to make long term, if you put all your eggs in one basket, you are accepting more risk. What we have done, supply chains throughout the world have done, we tend to source certain products in certain industries from one location in the world. And it's just risky. If something happens to that location, it causes more severe supply chain problems. You might remember, I want to say six months ago, where a lot of the meat packing plants in the U.S. were having problems. We still were able to get beef, pork, chicken. Maybe we couldn't get the type of chicken that we wanted, but it was still available. Here's why. There were multiple meat packing plants. We had multiple sources of supply. And even when one went down for three or four weeks... The other ones were still operating. And then when they got hit by COVID, somebody else could pick up the slack. Unfortunately, a lot of our products, think about microchips right now. That's The whole world goes to one location to get the vast majority of microchips. And go figure, when they have capacity issues or something comes up or COVID or anything like that, the whole world experiences problems. Long term, I think you will see more what we call nearshoring and reshoring. So hopefully we bring back some manufacturing capabilities here domestically to the U.S. or at least closer locations, Mexico, Canada, South America, whatnot. Because, again, the longer you make that chain, the more links in it, the more complicated, the more risk you're taking on. And we've been agnostic to risk for the last couple decades in supply chains. It's a trade-off between cost, service, and risk. And we've assumed very little risk or just assumed it wouldn't happen in order to drive down costs, in order to be in stock and have really good service. That's why we are where we are right now. As consumers, we're spoiled. We're used to having full shelves of everything at very low prices. We demand now in an Amazon-type world, I want instantaneous access to everything, and you better ship it to me within two hours. That didn't exist 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Everybody's hearing about supply chains and all these problems. We're moving more through them than we ever have. And yeah, there are some items that are out of stock on, the vast majority were still fine, and we still have much better service and much lower prices than what we did a generation ago. Well, and we've shifted some of that labor, too, because, you know, now how many people are ordering groceries online or doing pickup of, you know, a, a purchase from a retailer that ordinarily they would have, I'm, I'm going to go just pick up a TV that I've ordered online instead of having to go in and, and pick it out or, or something. Well, now you need people in retail stores filling orders that we used to do as consumers. And so 
companies are having to figure out how do I shift my labor force to create this flexibility so that consumers can get products whenever they want to, however they, they want to, but yet maybe those people are now filling orders instead of stocking shelves. And so you, that's where you've seen a lot of uh, retailers have done more of the when they were closing or opening later and doing using overnight to restock shelves because during the day they didn't have the time to do that because they're filling orders for those drive up groceries and, and those type of programs, too. And what you're saying there, a lot of that ties into those shifting demand patterns. I don't know if you remember probably a little over a year ago when the pandemic really started hitting us. You saw these stories in the national news about farmers were dumping milk up in the Midwest. Well, it wasn't that we were drinking less milk as a society, and we were still drinking milk from grocery stores that we bought at Walmart or Kroger or whatnot. It was a lot of the milk-based products for restaurants. Well, that was a different supply chain, right? So you go from this high-level demand in restaurants, because we all used to love to go out to eat, literally overnight that went away. So you had this supply chain all geared up to meet that demand. That goes away. And some of that shifts to the grocery stores. And now a year later, we're starting to go back out to eat. And we're going to ask that same supply chain, okay, just kidding. Please ramp back up. I know you you left us for a year, but now we want you to instantaneously get us right back up to where we were. It takes time to build those things. Yeah. And, and you know, like you were saying, I think from a consumer side, you know, for the past, what, couple of decades, we've been conditioned to uh, to go to these one sources and to, you know, the supply chain was the invisible hand. It worked behind the scenes and we didn't think about it or notice it. What are some things you think people today, some myths that they have about the supply chain or, or something that they just don't understand uh, that you think people should know? There is no such thing as free shipping. <laughs> that's, that's what Mike is, but there's shipping, it's free. And I'm like, no, no, it, no, it's not. We have to pay for that um, somewhere. That's one of my big, big pet fees. You drew. Expand on that. Nothing is free. So when we get that instantaneous shipping, there's a cost to that. There's a transportation premium. To get Amazon to ship us something overnight or Walmart Plus to ship us something overnight, that meant somebody had to do something in a less than optimal way in the distribution center because they dropped everything and they went and picked your specific order to get it on a truck by 5 o'clock so it got to you. Um, A lot of what we've been conditioned to do, a lot of this home delivery, there's an extra cost to that. Whether they're charging you or not, there is an extra cost to that. And I think long term... We need to wrap our arms around. We love this convenience as U.S. consumers. There are costs to that. A lot of these companies have been eating that cost for a long, long time. Whenever we have to start actually paying the cost of two-hour delivery to our homes, the true cost, not what they give us, but the true cost of that, you're going to see massive price increases. There's a reason. You go back through the financials and look at Amazon over the decades, there's a lot of times where they didn't make money. And when they have been making money, a lot of times it's Amazon Web Services. It's not the retail arm. right? It's, it's not cost effective for me to order, order deodorant, a $2 stick of deodorant, and they sell it to me for $2. But really, there's a $7 shipping cost on top of that that they're not charging me if I'm a Prime member or if I buy a certain volume. All those hidden costs, they exist. You might not pay them yet. 
eventually they're going to make their way into the cost of goods that we're buying. And I think the other thing that people sometimes don't think about with that is um, all those decisions for that convenience, um, they do have a sustainability impact. You know, increased packaging, you know, increased number of trucks on the road and and the impact there. There's just a lot of um, additionals there that I don't know that a lot of people, the convenience has overridden the fact of are we really having a really long-term negative impact on, on the environment. And then, you know, looking forward to the next couple of years as we hopefully, you know, crawl out of the pandemic at some point, um, you know, what are some things that people need to look for when they're thinking about the supply chain, when they're going to stores, when they're buying something, um, going either online or a physical retailer, you know, what, what should people know? I think in the, thinking through a purchase that you make in the broader global context of, you know, is this something I really need? Is this something, you know, what is the, the long-term impact of me having somebody deliver a stick of deodorant, uh, you know, to my house? Or maybe, maybe I should think and go, okay, I know I want to order something from Walmart online. Maybe I only order once a month. And I and don't get greedy on getting stuff here all at once because if I make those decisions and more people make those decisions, then together we can have a positive impact um, on the environment. You may see more labeling, product labeling. Right now we put nutrition labels on foods. We're doing some research now that will show if I tell you what the carbon footprint is going to be on a package that you get overnight versus if you're willing to wait 7 to 10 days, that will shift consumer behavior. And people don't realize if I tell them what the carbon footprint is of those two options, it changes their buying behavior. So um, Google Flights right now, if, I don't know if you've used that, but they're starting to put how many kilograms of CO2 are affiliated with each flight. I guarantee they're doing that because they're more environmentally conscious consumers out there. I think you'll get more supply chain related type of information. I could see there being more, where is this from? What type of employability record does this company have? That's going to become more of a standard of how was this product delivered to me? If it was involved in deforestation or pollution or contaminating groundwater, I don't want anything to do with that. And those are all those links in the chain. So I think some consumers are going to want to have a lot more of that information to make buying decisions. I think technology could continue to change things moving forward. Um, there's a lot of question marks, you know, what are, what's going to be the future of driverless trucks? Um, what impact is our drones actually going to have long-term, you know, uh, are we all going to have a 3D printer and whenever we need a part for our, you know, refrigerator or something, we're just going to print it out to replace it because we're going to get a notification on our computer that says hit print and you can take care of this issue. You know, we don't know. But I think there's still a lot of potential for a lot of different technologies to um, continue to revolutionize kind of how we do day-to-day -day life. I'm going to say the same thing I said last year. Thank the people delivering your packages. Thank a truck driver. Thank a forklift operator. Thank people that are working in a factory to get you the products you need. The amount of stress that they've been under, the conditions they've had to work under, most of us can't fathom. And just appreciate how lucky we are to have what we're getting for the relatively low prices, the great quality, the service levels, all that wraps in. People are doing that for you. And those individuals are really, really important. 
because without them, we don't get the products that we want or need. Without them, we don't have food and water and medicine, just the basics, let alone the iPhones and Xboxes and all the other gadgets that we don't truly need. That was Stephanie and Rod Thomas, professors of supply chain management at the University of Arkansas, talking with Ozarks at Large's Daniel Carruth.